welcome to the NBAV Podcast. Welcome back to NBAV and NBA Avenue Podcast. We are in the middle of the All-Star break. And all that anyone can talk about is how can we fix the All-Star game? But much more important than trying to fix the All-Star game is trying to fix the regular season. The All-Star game is a one-time-a-year event. It is largely meaningless. It doesn't have any impact on the actual season. It is a gathering of all the best players in the game playing at the same time in a game that doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything for anyone in any way. However, if you were to fix the refing and you were to make the refing consistent, you were to take the instant replay out of the game, turn it into a two-second review where any call automatically, two seconds, there's someone watching it on a screen, they instantly make the decision, two seconds, game continues going, done. If they could do that and impact the full 82-game season, that would be a much bigger step towards the incredible product that we can have on on the NBA on a nightly basis. That would be much more important than trying to waste your time fixing the NBA All-Star game, which who really cares about that anyway. Take away the, uh, the challenge, give us consistency, let us know how the refs are refing the game. Are they playing it uh, a close, tight game where they're calling a lot of fouls, or are they playing a little bit looser of a game? Communicate that. And let's get the action going up and down the court for the entire 82-game season rather than wasting our time on something as meaningless as the All-Star game. You have Damian Lillard winning the three-point shootout exactly as we predicted. And this was a very easy prediction for us to make because most of the guys who play, who enter into the three-point shootout, are not actually good at taking the ball off the rack. You need a certain shooting style to be able to do that very well. And it was just an easy call that none of the guys who were entered into the contest aside from Damian Lillard, really had that style where they can just take the ball off the rack and shoot it as well as him. So it was a pretty easy pick for us here at NBAV to decide that Lillard would go back-to-back. And then we also picked Mac McClung in the slam dunk contest to go back-to-back as well because when you have a guy like McClung and you see the other guys and nobody's really an incredible creative dunker, it was just extremely easy to predict that McClung would go back-to-back. He's the actual entertainment in this contest. He's what people are looking forward to. No one is tuning in to see Jalen Brown dunk. No one is tuning in to see Jacob Toppin. No one is tuning in to see Jaime Jaquez dunk. Really a uh, bewildering group of guys to put in the dunk contest. Very little showmanship. Very little creativity. And, of course, you have the problem that the judges are inconsistent. They rule the, they score the, the later dunks higher than they score the earlier dunks. So it behooves you to go later. This has been a problem for forever. But unless you have two guys come out of nowhere like an Aaron Gordon and a Zach Levine, this is how it's going to be for the foreseeable future, and that's just the way it is. If they wanted to really fix it, you can take the scoring, make it simpler, don't make it out of 50, which is really ridiculous. What happened to scoring it 1 to 10? Like they used to do it. They should be scoring the dunk contest 1 to 10. It's simpler than trying to score it 1 to 50 when the first 45 numbers are never going to be used. You're only going to get between 46s and 50s. 
on all the dunks. So you might as well just make it a 1 to 10 or even make it even simpler than that and have the dunks be rated on a 1 to 5. Then it's very easy, but each number is very impactful and meaningful. And then also get real judges. Get judges who, you know, are going to do exactly what you ask them to do. Explain them how you want to judge it. And then they have a little bit of leeway in there to it's going to be a lot more consistent than what we've seen recently. Anyway, more important than all the all-star festivities are the regular season, and that's what the NBA should really do their best and try to fix. From there, we had Lillard winning the three-point shootout, and he also won the MVP of the all-star game. And I would just tell Damian Lillard, forget about the three-point shootout, forget about the all-star game, why don't you go win some games for your actual team where you've had a dreadful season thus far, and you have not done what everyone's been hoping that you would do as you joined the Milwaukee Bucks. So maybe concentrate a little bit less on the All-Star game. This is the, the least important stretch of the year for you from beginning to end. It's less important than every regular season game. It's less important than every playoff game. And just try to bring it on the court with your teammates, with one of the best players in the universe, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and try to get some wins for your ball club with your uh, new head coach over there. So that would be my words to Damian Lillard. Now what I have prepared for you today is an interesting exercise where we're going to look at the Golden State Warriors and we're going to look at them from their championship run beginning in the 2015-2016 season. They have had a whole slew of role players accompany their roster going back from the 2015 to 2016 season all the way to present day here in the 2023-2024 NBA season. And we are going to go through and see what happened to these guys. We're not going to actually have all the information on where all these guys went after the Warriors, but we will know whether these guys are still in the NBA, what happened with their careers, were they basically unheard of, were these guys looking back, were they good moves for the Warriors when they brought them in? Can you say that the Warriors did a good job surrounding Steph Clay, Draymond, and then also uh, Andre Iguodala? We're not going to consider him really a role player. We're going to consider him part of the Warriors' core because he was. And we will also consider Andrew Wiggins part of the core as well for the last few seasons. And when Kevin Durant was on the team, he will also be considered part of Golden State's core. But let's look back and let's try to get an idea for how the management of the Warriors, the, the dynasty, over the last decade or so of NBA basketball, the most dominant team over the last 10 years, let's see how they did with putting a roster around some of the best players in the NBA. Going back to the 2015-2016 season, they had the their first role player, they had Leandro Barbosa, very good three-point shooter, certainly was was good and meaningful on the championship team there. They had Harrison Barnes, who was, again, good on the Warriors. He was upsetting in some of the championship games, I believe specifically the ones that they didn't win, but Harrison Barnes quieter on the big stage, but he was a good role player for the Warriors, and that's exemplified by the fact that he went out after his time on the Warriors, and he went and got a massive contract from the Sacramento Kings. You could look at that and say it was a regrettable decision by the Kings, but he's still there, and he's still pretty productive for them. So certainly Harrison Barnes going on the short list of better Warriors role players, if you're going from all the way back then to now. So, so far, what we're going to do is we're going to keep formulating this list. As we go for now, we have, starting it off, we have the good players. We have Leandro Barbosa, and we have Harrison Barnes. Let's just drag him into this list over here. So we have Barbosa and Harrison Barnes so far going on the very first team. And then we go on to who they had at center originally. He was a big piece of those early championship teams, and that was 
Andrew Bogut, certainly one of the better role players. You would even maybe consider him part of their core at the very beginning. I know it didn't turn out that way, but hindsight is twenty twenty. And then we go on to another intriguing player, at least he was back then, and that is Ian Clark. Now, Ian Clark was a pretty good sixth man coming off the bench for those Warriors teams. He was kind of the prototype for the player who they looked to fill as the sixth man coming off the bench with some later players who we'll discuss soon. But Ian Clark, certainly a good player on the Warriors. What happened to him after the Warriors? That's a, that's a good question. He wasn't really heard from too much more. If we look back on his career, he played for Golden State, and then he ended up playing... Uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans from 2017 to 2019, and then he was out of the NBA. He played for a couple of abroad teams, the Flying Tigers, the Sydney Kings, Adelaide 36ers, Melbourne. So he uh, is still, I guess, playing in Australia, but a very interesting case where it seemed like he was a good player. He looked good in that six-man role in the Warriors, but then was never able to sustain that anywhere else once he left the Warriors. Then you have Festus Azili, who was very good on the Warriors. So this was a very strong team. If you just look at the role players we had named so far, you have Leandro Barbosa, Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut, Ian Clark, and Festus Azili. So this is a fantastic, fantastic team when you factor in the main players were Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson. And then, not to mention, they also had perhaps the strongest role player that they ever had on any of the teams, and that is Sean Livingston. Sean Livingston was the most dependable guy who could just come in and rise up and hit any shot over anybody at any time. He was huge for all of those teams. Then you have a player who, it's a little bit confusing whether to consider him part of the core or to consider him a role player, because while his first season was the... 2015-2016 season, he ended up being on this team up to present day, and that is actually Kevon Looney. So very, very interesting where to categorize him, but for the time being, we're just going to consider him part of this list of role players. They also had James Michael McAdoo. McAdoo had a little stint on this team, but then was really unheard of for the rest of his NBA career. Not exactly sure where James Michael McAdoo ended up. If you look at his... NBA career was Golden State for 2014 to 2015 season. He was on the Golden State Warriors for three years, going up to the 2017. And then 2017, 2018, he went and played for Philly, and he only ended up playing three games for them. So he really had about two and uh, two two seasons and change where he played meaningful basketball. But there were times where he looked good on the Warriors, but then again, never able to sustain that anywhere else. So you're seeing an interesting trend here where were these role players good players for the Warriors? And were they good players in general? Or was it more being on the Warriors that made these guys good players? We go on to the 2016-2017 season, and here they add in an interesting veteran and that is Matt Barnes, who's now sort of famous in the podcasting world along with Steven Jackson. But you have Matt Barnes, and then you still had on this team Ian Clark. You had Andre Iguodala, which we will not consider a role player, but then you had Damian Jones. You had Sean Livingston still there. You had Kevon Looney still there. 
you still had McAdoo, you no longer had Festus Zeely, but you added Patrick McCaw. Now, McCaw was, I guess, another intriguing player. I believe he ended up moving on to Toronto before he was out of the league. And then you had, for a brief time, you had JaVale McGee was there for a couple of years. You had Zaza Pachulia, whose greatest contribution to the Warriors was landing on Kawhi Leonard and taking him out of the series. I say that a little bit facetiously, but unfortunately it's true. Anderson Varejao was also on a couple of these earlier teams. He didn't really play. And then you also had on this 2016-2017 team, you had David West, who did get minutes in the playoffs. Moving on to the 2017-2018 season, you had Jordan Bell, the first of many failed draft picks for the Warriors, where you thought when these guys were brought in that they would be good, and uh, not quite the case. They didn't really have sustained careers in the NBA. You also had Chris Boucher, who, like Patrick McCaw, ended up moving on to Toronto, and I, I think he's still in the league. We can check on that. Chris Boucher, he played for Golden State for the one season, 2017-2018 and then he ended up going on to Toronto for the next six seasons where he still is in Toronto currently. So he still plays meaningful minutes in Toronto as of present day. So there you have, you have uh, Chris Boucher. Then we also had the short stint of the Israeli Omri Caspi. And then you had Quinn Cook, another intriguing player in the sense that you would assume that Quinn Cook was, he, he really seemed to be a good player. And he definitely looked like a good six-man, like Ian Clark before him. He looked like a good six-man on this Warriors team, where Ian Clark was more of a, of a shooter. I think Quinn Cook was more of a playmaker. And he tried to make it. He ended up going to the Lakers after his stint on Golden State. The Lakers saw that and they bought in. But then again, Quinn Cook not in the league for very long after that. This was the Steph, Kevin Durant, Draymond, Andre Iguodala team. Then you also had Damian Jones, still part of this Warriors roster. You still had Sean Livingston, who I would say is their best role player to date. You had Kevon Looney, where, again, it becomes hard to know whether to consider him a role player or part of the team core, considering for how long he was there. You had Patrick McCall still on this team. You had JaVale McGee for his second championship here and then you still had Zaza Pachulia and David West and you also had the very uh, bizarre let's call him Nick Young rounding out so quite a list of role players in the first three seasons of this Warriors let's call it dynasty moving on to 2018-2019 you still have Jordan Bell and then you had an interesting one. You have the return of Andrew Bogut, who I don't think he ended up playing very much. They brought him in, I think it was at the trade deadline or in the buyout market at the end, and then he was going to be playing in the playoffs, and I believe he broke his arm and hurt himself. You had Quinn Cook on this team. You had the very bizarre signing of DeMarcus Cousins, which seemed like a bigger deal than it ended up being, and they didn't end up actually winning the championship as this was the year, I believe, that everyone got injured. You had Jacob Evans, the next of the failed draft picks for the Warriors, where a guy looks promising at the beginning and then does not end up living up to the hype. I don't know where Jacob Evans is today. Then you have 
you had the quote-unquote smart signing of Jonas Jerebko. He was a guy who Warriors thought, oh yeah, we're getting a steal bringing in Jonas Jerebko. He was okay for them. Ultimately, he's not a remembered player as part of the Warriors dynasty in any meaningful way. You still had Damian Jones. Then you had Damian Lee. You still had Sean Livingston. He's coming up to the tail end of his career here. You still had Kevon Looney. You had Alfonso McKinney rounding out the role players there. Moving on to the 2019-2020 season, you had a really strange cast of characters. The Warriors brought in the failed draft pick, one of the worst draft picks of all time, uh, Dragon Bender, I believe was the fourth pick in the draft for the Phoenix Suns, was uh, an absolute disaster. You also had the Warriors having Kai Bowman. The Warriors had Alec Burks, completely forgotten about player for the Warriors there. You had Willie Cauley-Stein playing for the Golden State Warriors. You had Marquise Chris, who was dreadful, absolutely dreadful for the Warriors. You still had Jacob Evans on this team. You still had Damian Lee. You still had Kevon Looney. You had Michael Mulder. You had Eric Pascal, who they just came out with some footage of him recently, and he looks like he never quite was an NBA player ever. It would be hard to know based on the way he looks today. This is also the start of where you had Jordan Poole join the Warriors. The first season that he was on the team was a lost season with all of the injuries, uh, specifically to Curry and to Clay. but Jordan Poole would become a part of the core for the Warriors with what he ended up doing for them uh, at large in the season that they won their fourth championship. You also had Glenn Robinson III coming back from injury. He was considered to be a smart pickup. For part of this year, you had D'Angelo Russell until eventually they traded him for who would eventually become Andrew Wiggins. And then you had Juan Toscano Anderson, the very good story of a player who made it in the Warriors organization and ended up going from a two-way contract to a fully guaranteed deal and ended up playing for a bunch of seasons in the NBA. And then, of course, Andrew Wiggins joined the team, but he ended up being part of the core. I will not consider him and his salary part of a, uh, a, ro- a role player. I'll consider him a real player. Then we move on to the final couple of seasons here for the Warriors. You had the 2020 to 2021 season where the Warriors brought in a previously overpriced player who I believe used to be getting a contract of over $70 million, uh, a $70 million contract, and that is Kent Bazemore who was always bewildering, and you can never quite understand what was going on in that head of his. You had Jordan Bell, Marquise Chris, Damian Lee, Looney, of course. You had the brief stint of Nico Mannion, who the Warriors took a shot on and never paid off. You still had Michael Mulder. You had Kelly Oubre Jr., who never lived up to expectation in Golden State. Then you had the very interesting signing of Gary Payton, who had a, a real weird story where he was taking video. He was just helping the team out with video, and he ended up making the squad and contributing greatly to the team to the point where he's still on the team today, one of the most successful role players the Warriors had all time. Then you still had Juan Toscano Anderson. You had a very interesting pickup of Brad Wanamaker, who ended up playing for Golden State and the Boston Celtics before going back out of the league. And then the Warriors had, of course, the very disappointing draft pick, the most disappointing draft pick of all of them, James Wiseman. Then in the 2021-2022 season, and we're going to review this and try to come up with who were the best role players and did the Warriors do a good job overall or not. We're going to try to make that clear by the end of this video. We have 
Nemanja Bielica, a very interesting signing. There was a lot of talk between Bielica playing for Sacramento again or playing for the Warriors, or is he going to go back to Europe? He ended up playing his one season with the Golden State Warriors and winning the chip, and that was all he needed before he went back to Europe in the end. Then the Warriors had the draft pick of Jonathan Kaminga, who hadn't contributed really at all in any season up until the present day season of 2023-2024. Jonathan Kaminga just starting to contribute right now. They had Damian Lee. Of course, they had Looney. And this was the beginning of Moses Moody, who's still on the team today, but it's unclear what his future is on the Warriors. They had, of course, Gary Payton. Jordan Poole was here on this team. You had Otto Porter, a very important role player for the Warriors in their championship. And then in the fourth championship, and then you had Juan Toscano-Anderson, and that pretty much rounds it out. Then the final season before the present season, the Warriors had their draft pick of Patrick Baldwin Jr. They had what they thought was an incredible signing, a steal of the Villanova, pros- of the Villanova player, Dante DiVincenzo. You had the veteran who played for many teams, Jermichael Green. You had Ty Jerome. You had Kaminga, Anthony Lamb, Looney, Moody, Gary Payton, and Jordan Poole, of course. This was his last season there, and rounded it out with James Wiseman. That brings us up to present day, the current Warriors team, where, yes, Looney is still there. At this point, I don't think you could call him a role player, although he doesn't play as big minutes as you would expect by the way it looks for him after their championship wins. You have Kaminga, who's going from a role player, hopefully becoming part of this next next sector of the Warriors and their future and where things are going to go. You have Dario Saric. You have Brandon Pajemski, the new rookie on the team. You have Trace Jackson Davis, the other rookie. Moses Moody. You have Chris Paul, who I won't consider a role player, although on this team I guess he kind of is, but it's tough to call him that for real. But we'll put him on the list just for the sake of it. You have Gary Payton back on the team, and then you have Guy Santos. You have uh, who else? That that pretty much does it. I don't think we need to put Canones on this list. He's not quite high profile enough even for this role player list. So if you go back from the very beginning, try to put these guys into tiers. You have... (laughs) It, it, you have the the best role players, I'd say, were probably from those very early seasons where you had Barbosa and Barnes and Bogut, Ian Clark, Festus Azili, who was good until injury, Sean Livingston, the best of all of them, the best of all these role players, and Kevon Looney. And then from there, the Warriors definitely had some better ones and some worse ones. They had Pachulia, David West, JaVale McGee, and uh, Matt Barnes, I guess, was helpful for them as well. Then the Warriors really took somewhat of a downhill turn where Jordan Bell, Chris Boucher, Omri Caspi, Quinn Cook, Damian Jones, these guys didn't really work out. Nick Young, they did not work out the way the Warriors wanted. And that continued through with Alfonso McKinney, Jonas Jerebko, Jacob Evans, DeMarcus Cousins. Most of these signings really did not turn out very well for the Warriors. The same goes for Dragon Bender. The same goes for Alec Burks, was not good on the Warriors. Willie Colley-Stein, Marquise Chris, Michael Mulder, Eric Paschal. None of these guys really ended up doing very well for the Warriors. The guys who I would say were good 
Toscano Anderson was good during his time with the Warriors. I would not say that Kent Bazemore was good. I would say, I would not say uh, Brad Wanamaker was good. James Wiseman was a disaster. Bielitsa was good. Moody was good, and he's still figuring it out. Otto Porter was very good. DiVincenzo was not good. Patrick Baldwin Jr. was not good. Jermichael Green was pretty good. Ty Jerome was not. Anthony Lamb was not. So if you go down this list, Saric hasn't been very effective so far, and then you're, you're basically taking it to present day right now, where now you also have Chris Paul on this list. It's hard to go through it and say for sure, definitively, did the Warriors do an amazing job or not with all these role players? But I will say that if you look at the list at large, more players didn't end up being great or being good and helpful than the players who actually ended up being great and helpful. So if you look at really the whole list in totality and you say, were there more hits or were there more misses for the Golden State Warriors in the role player process? Well, let's just frame this correctly because what you really hope is that if you're amazing at evaluating talent, in a perfect world, you would hope that every single player who you brought on to play as a role player on this team would be considered good enough to the point where they would play so well that following the season, you probably would not be able to re-sign them because there would be interest in other teams in the league picking these guys up. Because like a Quinn Cook, for example, where Quinn Cook played so well as, as a warrior that he then got signed, the Warriors lost him as a Laker. That's really what you hope. You don't hope to lose the player who's, who's playing well for you, but you hope that that is just what ends up happening. You hope that the player plays to his potential. And then part of basketball is you can't hold on to every single role player for posterity. Right, you have a guy. You have a guy for a few seasons, and when he's playing behind Steph, Clay, Draymond, uh, Jordan Poole on that one championship team, behind uh, Andrew Wiggins on the current team, and also on the championship team, when you have them playing behind all of these guys, not everyone is going to. You're not going to be able to keep all of these guys. You're going to have to move on from some of them as they become more expensive. But you would hope that your talent evaluation and your choice of who to bring in and play as part of your championship-caliber team, you would hope that the players would play well enough that they would be not out of the league following your team, that they would be on other teams, and that would show that you had you made the right decision when you brought them in. And they were part of your teams that did really well, and that was because they were really good players. But for the most part, if you look at the list, according to the players who we went over you will see that there's actually 30 players who really did not work out too well from the point that the Warriors signed them and their NBA careers, really not making it too much. And by contrast, there were 17 players who, re who did really well. Uh, and I could say were, were good players for the Warriors and were successful signings for them during these runs. So if you want to go through the players who didn't really work out, I would call it McAdoo, Damian Jones, Patrick McCaw, Jordan Bell, Chris Boucher, Omri Caspi, Damian Jones, Nick Young, DeMarcus Cousins, who in his one season on the Warriors 
was a failure. Jacob Evans, Jonas Jerebko, Alfonso McKinney, Dragon Bender, Kai Bowman, Alec Burks, Willie Cauley-Stein, Marquise Chris, Damian Lee, Michael Mulder, Eric Pascal, Glenn Robinson III, Kent Bazemore, Nico Mannion, Kelly Oubre Jr., I think we would have to maybe take off the list because he did go on to have a successful rest of his NBA career. He's still he's playing very well right now for the 76ers, so we'll take him off the list. We have Wanamaker, James Wiseman, the absolute failure, now rotting away in Detroit, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Dante DiVincenzo, we will move him also out of this category because he ended up playing well, not on the Warriors, but he's playing amazingly right now for the New York Knicks. Then Ty Jerome, Anthony Lamb. So that, with removing Ubre Jr. and Dante DiVincenzo from that list, you have 28 players who we would overall, if we had to categorize as a success versus a failure, we have 28 failures. And then on the on the Warriors' success side, you have Leandro Barbosa, Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut, Ian Clark, who then he didn't go on to have a successful rest of his NBA career, but he was very good on the Warriors. So that's this list. These are players who were successful on the Warriors. Festus Azili, who met the injury bug that took away the rest of his career. Matt Barnes, JaVale McGee, Zaza Pachulia, who won and then was never heard from again. David West, Quinn Cook, Juan Toscano Anderson, who I believe if he was still on the Warriors today, he'd still be doing well. Bielitsa, Otto Porter Jr., who was great during their run, Jermichael Green, and then the top three, in my opinion, the top three role players from the Warriors' entire run from beginning to end. Sean Livingston, number one. Kavon Looney, who has turned from a role player to a stabilizing force and was really good in their last championship, and Gary Payton, the second. So it's interesting to look back. I thought this would be a fun exercise where the Warriors kind of dominated the NBA. If you had to pick one team who did it over the last decade, it would be them. Did the Warriors' management do a good job with surrounding Steph and Clay and, uh, and Draymond with the best talent? In some ways, they did well. In some ways, they did not. It seems like their, their successes didn't quite amount to as many players that failed. But then again... They won four championships, so take it with a grain of salt. Take for it what you will. You have the current players who I would still say Looney, Kaminga, Sharich, Pajemski, Trace Jackson Davis, Gary Payton, Guy Santos. Those are what I would call the role players right now, and perhaps you throw Chris Paul in there, even though he's not getting paid like a role player, but he plays on this team like a role player. He's actually missed most of the year. So we'll see what will be the future for Kaminga, Sharich, it looks like this is going to be a one-and-done type thing where he's not going to be around too much longer. Will Guy Santos make it? Will Trace Jackson Davis make it? Will Pajemski end up being what everyone thinks he'll be? Or will he go by the ways of Ian Clark and Quinn Cook and not be in the league too much longer after he leaves the Warriors? Time will tell. But I thought that was an interesting and fun exercise for us during this time of not too much action in the middle of the All-Star break here where we just have a few days off before NBA games. So there you have it the role players for the Warriors. This is NB Ave. Follow us on social at NBA Venue at NB Avenue, NB Ave. Email the show at NBAVENUE at yahoo.com. We are your source for a great time every time. And until next time, we are out.